Amen, and good morning, church. How's everybody doing out there today? All right, well, hopefully uh, we'll, you know, pick things up here with the sermon. Um, but amen, it's great to see everyone. I do want to say a uh, big thanks to Nelson for his communion message uh, today. Uh, excellent job. I appreciate those milestones thrown out there. Um, I've turned 40 uh, once uh, and pretty recently, so, you know, interesting that comparison, but uh, do appreciate Nelson and his thoughts about uh, the communion this morning. Um, I'm going to jump in here pretty quickly to uh, the sermon, but I hope everybody had uh, a great week this week. Uh, I had quite the eventful uh, week this week, so many people have asked about the black eye and noticed that Katie's not here. There's no connection uh, to those things. She's uh, now coaching lacrosse at West Point, and so uh, they had a game today, so she has uh, gone out to Brown for that game, uh, but with the bruise, so uh, I had surgery uh, some time back. I think I mentioned this. Every time I have surgery, I preach, so I have to explain uh, myself, which is interesting. I'm concerned about my next sermon, but um, so I, uh, I had had a spot removed. Uh, it was biopsied. It came back positive for basal cell, which is a, a low-risk cancer. There's a surgery for that. Uh, so I went back, uh, got the layer scraped. Uh, they patched me back up. I'm good to go. So praise God for that. Uh, but I just share that with you to explain myself. But also, it's a good reminder for me and really all of us, when the sun's out, that's great. But we got to protect ourselves. Amen? Amen to that. So, you know, you can, you can check me. You wearing your sunscreen? Are you, you know, uh, taking care of yourself? So uh, we just wanted to put that out there. But uh, nevertheless, hope everybody had a great week. So we are going to start a new series here uh, in church starting uh, right now uh, that we're calling Spirituality Plus. Uh, so you can write that down, Spirituality Plus. Over the next several weeks, we'll be talking about spirituality. And we like putting the plus on the end of that because that's trending right now. And we're not above trends, right? There's Disney Plus. There's Paramount Plus. There's Apple TV Plus and many other pluses. So hey, let's do some Spirituality Plus. And what that means is when you get the plus in there, you get a little bit more than the normal content or the regular content. So we're going to give you a little bit more about spirituality and spiritual formation over the next several weeks. So very excited um, about that. Uh, of course, uh, Steve will be talking about that in, in subsequent weeks. Very strong interest in spiritual formation and spirituality uh, for him, which is good. You'd want that from a church leader. Amen. Um, but for me... Uh, spirituality has been an interest for me for a long time and then became specifically interested in spiritual formation uh, several years ago, which I'll explain in just a moment. But spiritual formation is probably something that you've heard, uh, maybe not looked into what that phrase means, but pretty straightforward. Spiritual formation is the spirit-directed process of the human spirit or will being formed into the likeness or character or image of Christ. That's a, a whole mouthful, but it's the process of spiritual change and spiritual growth. And that became a, a strong interest of mine uh, several years ago, really back in 2012. I'd been reading some things about uh, secular type of meditation, 
became interested in that and then thought to myself, well, the Bible talks about meditation. I know there's Christian meditation. Let me look into that. So I started studying that out, uh, was loving what I was reading, and then preached a sermon, which I'm sure all of you that were here remember that sermon back in 2012, right? Um, but um, Katie's brother, Tim, had been in town at that time and was listening to that sermon. Right after the sermon, he said, oh, you should read this book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It has a whole chapter on Christian meditation in there. So I thought, oh, perfect. That's great. So I'd read the book. It's an amazing book, really about spiritual formation and disciplines broadly. Uh, and then again, it has a chapter on meditation, other chapters on fasting and, and study and a number of other things. But that was a life-changing book for me. So that really set me on a path of studying it out uh, more from a Christian theological perspective, but also in some ways set the stage for my academic pers uh, pursuits and scholarly pursuits. But even above and beyond that, it changed my life. It changed my heart. It helped me to think about how am I growing in Christ and how can I help others grow in Christ as well? So that's what we're going to be talking about over these next several weeks. And so again, we've decided on uh, this series of spiritual transformation that we're calling Spirituality Plus. So again, talking about this process of spiritual formation. So what I like to do to begin the series is start with a sermon that I'm calling Begin with the Image in Mind. So begin with the image in mind. And if you're familiar with Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it's in reference to that. He has a chapter that he calls Begin with the End in Mind, which is really what we're talking about here. But I like the idea of begin with the image in mind. And I'll talk about in a moment uh, what I mean by that. And just, you know, as we're flashing back, and I'm sharing stories from the past, you know, one thing that I remember... Uh, very vividly when I first started coming out to the church was in a series of men's midweeks we were reading the book seven habits of highly effective people together um, alongside of Proverbs that was back in like 2008 2007 so I'm sure you know all the men remember that series but I remember it because uh, again I had first started coming out to the church at that time and I loved that experience, reading that book, talking about spirituality, getting to know the men uh, in a deeper way. And, you know, side note, that's a really helpful book, actually, when you think about personal growth and, and personal development as it relates to spiritual growth and spiritual development. But that's a side story. Uh, but in his book, in Stephen Covey's book, when he's talking about this habit, this initial habit of beginning with the end in mind, this is what he says, and I want to use that to set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. So he says, to begin with the end in mind is to begin today with the image, picture, or paradigm of the end of your life as your frame of reference or the criterion by which everything else is examined. By keeping that end clearly in mind, you can make certain that whatever you do, on any particular day does not violate that criteria you have defined as supremely important and that each day of your life contributes in a meaningful way to the vision you have of your life as a whole so what is he talking about in there 
in sum, if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to move in a direction, we have to have some picture or image in our mind of what that end is. It's like thinking about our purpose, our aim, our goal, our aspirations. And so if we're going to talk about spiritual transformation, we should begin the series, I think, and I think we should begin our lives with considering what that end is in our minds, what that image is in our minds. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to begin with the image in mind. When we think about that image or that end in mind, what we're striving for, what we're growing towards, lots of scriptures in the Bible talk about that. But I want to look at one today, just a couple verses in 2 Corinthians 3. So you can turn with me in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians 3. Because it lays out there very clearly a few things. One is what this image is, what we're striving towards, and the process by which we get there. So a lot in just a couple verses, which is one of the most beautiful things about the Bible. Amen. That just in a couple verses, I mean, you could spend a lifetime just breaking those down and thinking about those things and taking them into your lives to help you grow. So I think this is a really important one as we begin this series, as we think about spiritual transformation. So 2 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Amen to that. So a lot to unpack here. Second Corinthians is just a, a, an amazing letter. Second Corinthians 3 is an amazing chapter full of imagery from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to the New. It talks about our hearts. It talks about Moses and the veil and the glory and the fading glory and the eternal glory in comparing these things. And so worth it to go back and look at that chapter. But for our purposes, I'm just going to summarize that so we can have a better understanding of what we're looking at here at the end of that chapter. So there is this contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The old law and, and uh, this way of thinking about uh, the new law or the new covenant, so to speak. But one important point about the old covenant and the old law, or the law, uh, was that that represented a fading glory. So when Moses would receive the word of the Lord, when he would receive uh, the law, and then he would come down and, and, and interpret that and translate that and give that, to the Israelites, he would wear a veil over his face. And part of that reason was God wanted to not expose the Israelites to this fading glory. As Moses was with God, he would receive some of that glory, that radiance, that shining light from God. It would be really imprinted on his face and then projected out to those who saw him. But that was a fading glory. And the same with the Old Covenant and the law in many ways. It's not that we don't adhere to the law anymore, but it works a little bit differently in our lives. Again, that glory was fading. 
But the glory that we experience now and that we see as we turn to Christ, as we are Christians, is an eternal glory. It's a glory written on our hearts that we experience throughout our lives and into eternity. And so that really explains what that veil is all about. So in the beginning it says, it, or well, in the beginning of verse 18, with unveiled faces, with unveiled faces, we're able to look, behold, or contemplate as in a mirror at the glory of God. So the glory of God we can think about as splendor, as radiance, as the bright shining light emanating from God, flowing from God. We are able to look and perceive and contemplate that eternal glory as Christians. We are looking at the bright shining nature or character of God. And so as we look at or behold that image, and we can think of image as the representation, uh, the character or nature of God, as we behold that, we, we become transformed. And that word in the Greek is where we get our word metamorphosis from. So it really, it means to change inwardly in fundamental character or condition. And so as we behold the glory, the image of God, we contemplate that, we fix our minds, our hearts, our being on that, we are transformed into that image from glory to glory. But an important point at the end, and we're going to come back to this in, in just a little bit, that process happens by the Spirit. The process happens by the Spirit of God. And so what's being described here is the process of spiritual formation or spiritual, spiritual transformation. And again, I'm going to come back to this point in a minute, but this is a grace. This is a grace. We have our, our, our part in it, but it's really all accomplished and done by the grace of God, which is a beautiful and comforting thing that we as the non-glorious, the broken, those that have turned our way from God are able to experience his eternal glory because of his own love, his own desire for us. Man, that is a, an incredible grace. But I just, you know, in thinking about, okay, what's this image, though? What's this purpose that we're aiming towards? Um, N.T. Wright, in a, a really great book called After You Believe About This Process of Spiritual Transformation, he talks about what our purpose, what our aim in life really is. And so he, t he says this in his book, human is thus a kind of midway creature. And this is the main point right here. We reflect God into the world and reflect the world back to God. That is the basis for the truly human vocation or what we're striving towards. And that, as the New Testament declares, is also the goal for which we are aiming. Indeed, the goal of all human existence. In Aristotle's term, so an ancient Greek philosopher. This is the telos. So it's a Greek word that means the end or aim, the goal, 
toward which we aim. Though this goal is very different from what Aristotle had in mind. The Christian vision of virtue is the vision of the pathway towards this goal. So to some, what he's talking about is, you know, our role as Christians is to become like God in his image and character and nature and reflect that into the world. That's our goal. But alongside of that goal, really in conjunction with that goal, we are helping God's creation, other people, adopt that nature and reflect that back up to God. What a call! What a beautiful and eternal purpose. And so, as we break down this process and how this really happens, I've mentioned this a little bit already, but I want to say just a little bit more about that. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we see two really important points about this. Number one is that this is, as I mentioned before, a grace. It's done by the Spirit. Again, God in all his glory takes his fallen and evil creation, the far from glorious, and makes a way through the death and resurrection of his Son for his broken beings to be reformed in his glorious image. That is an amazing grace. How sweet does that sound? That's incredible. The second point from this is that we have our role to play in that as well. It's not that we just pray or we just you know, hope for the best. The Spirit's just going to do His thing. We have a looking or a beholding part of our task. Right? We have uh, disciplines that we need to engage in. We have uh, our own effort and doing in this process. God has given us a spirit, a heart, a free will, a volition or choice, so we need to consider what are we looking at or who are we looking at? Who are we beholding? In what ways are we contemplating God or what is it that we are contemplating? Maybe is a better way to think about that. And so I ask us all today, what is this image we have in mind that we're looking at and striving towards? Is it the right image? Do we even have an image in mind? And, you know, to be honest, if we do have an image in mind, and that is the image of Christ, sometimes it's hard to really fix our hearts and our minds on that. And... You know, as I think back to, to my week, um, I realized that there are a couple points, probably more than that actually, but a couple points that stick out where I didn't do a great job with that this week. So one I want uh, to share that I hope resonates with a lot of us. I think that as we progress through life, whether our vocation is school or whether our vocation is something related to, to work or career, uh, it's easy to get caught up in the wrong images or the wrong end in mind. You know, for me, it can become about accolades and professional success and moving up the ladder. And those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but when they become the focus, when they, they become the image in mind, that becomes challenging. That becomes problematic. And so... 
Uh, this week, so I work on a, a, a team, or a number of projects with a team of people that are really phenomenal people. I, I feel very grateful and fortunate to be uh, on the team that I get to be on. And one of my colleagues who came in around the same time that I did, who's a little bit younger and a little bit less uh, experienced in some ways, had indicated to our group that she was nominated for an early career achievement award by the person who oversees my teaching department. And so I'm excited for her. That's awesome. She, she's a, a great person and uh, an exceptional professional. But honestly, uh, my, probably my initial thought, if I'm really being honest, was like, I'm, I've been working hard too and accomplishing things and did, he, did, did our department head think about me uh, when he was thinking about awardees? And I, I became frustrated by that. Um, and so, you know, so <laughs> I was trying to like, balance these thoughts and, and emotions, but also um, be grateful for her and be encouraging and that kind of thing, because really that's the right response, but my heart just wasn't there. Um, and what I realized later was that that's an indication that I have the wrong image in mind in this particular instance. Because the image that I had in mind was the success, the accolades, the, uh, <clears throat> the, um, the praise from other people. Oh, look at how great of a worker this person is. You know, all these different things were passing through my mind and through my heart. And again, upon reflection, and of course, you know, preaching the, the sermon, you know, it always challenges you. I was like, man, I'm off in this. This is not the image that I need to have in mind. Um, so we need to check those things sometimes. We need to think about these things. And, you know, one, one other connected point is that, you know, as we think about the image that we need to have in mind in terms of where we're striving, fortunately, there are a number of um, great examples to us that God gives us with people that are doing it right. And the, the, the example that I'm, I'm going to share is not necessarily related to, well, it's not related to uh, career uh, challenges, but really more so to life and how we do marriage. Um, So, um, many of you know that a couple weeks ago, uh, my grandmother passed away, and uh, I appreciate your prayers, uh, you know, for her and, and for that and for uh, my family. She was 102 years old. <laughs> so, as I, was, I was thinking about uh, when Nelson was up here talking about these milestones, I was like, 102! We got 102 in, in, in my family. And so, I mean, just lived a long and full life. So she, and, and just an amazing woman. I mean, an inspiring woman was a devout Christian, was always there with us growing up, uh, going to church. And uh, so she passed away uh, mid-September, October 1st was going to be her 74th wedding anniversary. 74 years. And I'm, you know, 
didn't make it to October 1st, but I think we could give it to her. I mean, you know, cl close enough. Um, but, you know, I was just thinking about her life, of course, and then thinking about her marriage. My grandfather is still alive. He's 97 uh, years old. They were in the same veterans home together, so got to spend those last uh, bit of time together. And I was thinking about their marriage and just, again, what a great example, what a great image they provided for me and my family and those around them and how to, how to do it right uh, because God was their foundation. And I, I knew this about my grandparents, which says a lot about them, but I wanted to call my grandfather and just ask, in your mind, how'd you do it? Like, how, like what's your advice? How'd you get it done? So I called my grandfather uh, early this past week, and uh, we were talking about a number of things, and I brought this question up to him. And I said, 74 years, that's amazing. How did you do it? I mean, I know that you know, it was full of ups and downs, but how, how'd you make it happen? And he didn't even hesitate. He goes, love. He said, yeah, he just, he said love. He's like, it's love. He kept repeating it. He said, God is love. And, you know, in many ways, that, that's really the image, right, that, that we have, it, that we need to have in mind, that we need to strive towards. And I was so grateful that that was the life that he lived, especially in that marriage context. He's like, we just committed to doing the right thing regardless of what people were doing around us. And one of the other things that he shared, which was so impressive, was, and a great call to me and I think all of us, was that he's like, we had people in our lives that were Christians that were also committed to doing the right thing. So that helped us to, to live this life of love, to have this image in mind of how to do it, of what to strive towards. And so that's what we did. 74 years. And so, you know, as we, as we think about beginning with the image in mind, and what's our purpose, what's our telos, what's our aim, what are we striving for, I think we have to ask ourselves, so how do we pursue this? You know, how do we, uh, how do we grow spiritually? And there's a lot of different ideas out there about how to do it, and we'll be sharing those over the course of these next several weeks, these next several Sundays, but I want to share just a few points, a few practicals. And I think it really begins with intention. What is our intention? What are our intentions? Our intentions flow from our heart, but they dictate what we do and how we go about doing those things. And I think in the Christian life, one of the greatest threats to our growth and transformation is a lack of intention. William Law, in a classic book, A Serious Call to a, a Devout and Holy Life, noticed that many Christians around him were cursing. And that was the language that they spoke, so to speak. And he thought, why? I mean, why are these people who are identifying as Christians living in this way and have these bad habits. 
And so in his reflection, this was his observation. They never fully intended to please God in all their actions. They never fully intended to please God in all their actions. So the bottom line for us is what are our intentions? How intentional are we being in our walk with God? I know we ebb and flow. I, I, I do the same thing. That's where grace comes in. But we still got to get back on track and be intentional about how we're living. And so specifically, I'll just share a, a couple of quick things. You know, one is, and going back to the scripture, you know, we look and behold, we contemplate God. So on a regular basis, we need to look at Jesus each day. We need to spend time in adoration of Jesus. So one uh, pretty well-known author, Henry Nouwen, uh, in a classic book, The Way of the Heart, he talks about this experience he had when he visited Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And so uh, this is how that interaction went, which is relevant to what we're talking about now. When I visited Mother Teresa of Calcutta a few years ago, and asked her how to live out my vocation as a priest. In other words, how do I live a spiritual life and help others to do the same? She simply said this, spend one hour a day in adoration of your Lord and never do anything you know is wrong and you'll be all right. <laughs> if it were only that simple. Um, but sometimes that's what we need though, is just simple, straightforward advice. An hour a day in adoration of our Lord Never do anything you know is wrong. Now he goes on to say, he might have, she might have said something uh, else to a married person or someone with kids, amen, uh, to that. Don't know that uh, I'd be able to, to squeeze that in every day. Um, and, you know, wherever we are in life, maybe that's not feasible or possible. But the goal is spending some time in some way in adoration of Jesus every day. He is the image that we need to have in mind. And so these disciplines help us to engage or look at Jesus. <clears throat> um, another practical point related to the story that I shared about my grandparents, well, who are you looking at that can show you Jesus? So of course we need to look at Jesus, but who are we looking at that can show us Jesus? Philippians 3.17. This is what Paul says, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me, so Paul, and keep your eye on or look at those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. We need to keep Paul, other heroes, uh, spiritual heroes uh, in the Bible, and the spiritual heroes around us in our own midst, in our minds. Who are we looking at? that model Jesus, that can show us the way. And then lastly, what spiritual goals are you striving for? And I think as we consider goals, and sometimes when we think about that word, it's like, well, isn't that kind of anti-Christian? I thought that, you know, I'm supposed to live on grace. And yeah, I mean, that's a part of it. But again, all throughout the Bible, we actually see things that we need to be aiming towards. And so, as Christians who have this end in mind, this image in mind, what are the goals we're putting before us and God is putting into our lives that help us to reach that goal? 
And just, I ask you to consider a couple of passages. Colossians 3. Colossians 3 tells us to put off certain things and put on different aspects of, of Jesus, different character traits. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, gratitude, and love. Those are statements about things that we're striving toward. Put off these things, put on these things over here. So what are we putting on in our Christian lives? 2 Peter 1, 5-9, make every effort, it begins, make every effort to add to your faith, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. That's a statement about strivings, about intentionality, and about goals. What are our spiritual goals and intentions? We have got to have those in mind if we're going to transform. So before I uh, totally wrap up with one verse, I just I want to give us some things to be talking about in our life groups this week. So if you're a life group leader or if you are a life group member, uh, encourage you to, and really everybody, I mean, I want you to think about these things, but also some things to talk about in life group. Number one, really simple. What about Jesus are you admiring and trying to become like? So what is it about Jesus specifically that you're in adoration of, that you're admiring, that you're striving towards? So identifying those things. Uh, number two. Who is a good example of Jesus that you appreciate? It's good to be talking about our spiritual exemplars. Who are those people? What about them is like Jesus? Number three, what disciplines are you engaging? You know, is it prayer, fasting? Is it discipling relationships? I mean, our, our life groups are set up to, you know, it better enable that. But in our private lives, what are the disciplines we're engaging? Solitude, silence. How are we going about doing that? And then lastly, what spiritual goals are you striving for? It's the end of the year. <laughs> we're coming up on the end of the year. I know it's not the beginning of the year, which is when we often think about uh, goals and so forth, but this is a good time to think about our spiritual intentions. What are we striving towards, uh, towards we, the end of the year as we wrap things up? So let's begin with the image in mind. Let's consider, contemplate, behold Jesus. Let's appreciate the working of the Spirit and God's grace that, transform us, that transforms us so that we can live out Ephesians 4, 13. And I'll close with this. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen, and thank you.